Hello, world. Uh, welcome to the next episode of Women in Audio Podcast. Woohoo! Um, so today we are going to be with Lisa Mahach. She is um, with the Omni Sound Project. She is going to be actually our first interview. Uh, that is not a sound engineer, um, but I think that you <laughs> will get a great deal out of this. So um, I hope you like it and uh, tell your friends, subscribe, listen, all that stuff. And uh, we'll get right on into this interview. So hi, Lisa. Thank you for being here today. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks for asking me. It's good to be here. Um, so uh, I met Lisa, mm, what, like a month? or so ago, mm-hmm. was it a month ago? Yeah. Uh, she messaged me on Instagram <laughs> and was <laughs> like, hey, I'm having this house show. <laughs> Want to do sound? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was, that that was, was my uh, Amy Moreland uh, had recommended you. Really? Yeah. I didn't know how you knew me. I was yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. She, had, she wound up um, running our sound that night, too, so that was fun. That is fun. I like them a lot. Ashley and Amy are best. Um, they're actually on a previous episode. Uh, I think they're episodes four, five. Cool. Something like wait. that. It's one of the two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the worst of the world can't wait either since they haven't heard it yet. But it'll be <laughs> great once it comes out. Um, anyways, uh, so that was my first introduction to Lisa. She did a house show and she wanted a lady to do sound for this house show that I guess had all women engin- um, people performing and everything was that the point of the house yeah. show yeah it was our kickoff concert for the omni sound project so we just we just started this year so we just kicked it off with a cool party cool uh so before we get into the omni omni sound project which by the way is a super cool thing uh let's just do like a little bit of your background and history and and who you are as a person <laughs> <laughs> No problem. I'm <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I think that question gets harder as you get older too, because it's like you, you've reinvented yourself so many times. But basically, my uh, just grew up as a dancer, and that's kind of primarily what I do still. I taught taught dance for a really long time, and now I help manage a dance studio. And um, so, but on the side, I've always been a musician and started playing music with some friends about 15 years ago have a band here in Austin and then when I was living out in the Bay Area I took some classes with women's audio mission which I bet most of your listeners know and uh, that was my introduction to recording I had done a little bit of recording on my own using GarageBand um, but now that I've learned more it's very embarrassing <laughs> to listen to those recordings so they're not out in the world um, but you know just always wanted when I came back to Austin always wanted to to have a resource like women's audio mission here and uh, that's kind of what led me to to doing Omni Sound Project but my background is like career wise I have a degree in Uh, tourism. And so my background, my career has always been doing some kind of hospitality or event planning. And so starting this project, I've just really naturally um, fit into that role of just planning classes and organizing everything. So even though I'm, I'm in audio, it's kind of more of the the organizer side of things. Interesting. I know that that's super cool. That's a really cool uh, backstory. (laughs) So then you got in while you were in the Bay Area, you said, uh, with the audio, women's audio mission. So then what led you to wanting to start the Omni Sound Project here in Austin then? Um, I just loved taking classes there. It was the first time I'd ever been in all female identifying space, um, learning something that's kind of considered not even really considered to be male dominated, but just is male dominated um, right now. And it was really cool to be in this setting where we were learning all these technical skills and the entire dynamic was completely different. The way that people relate to the teacher, the way that they relate to subject matter. Um, And I learned a ton. Um, And so just saw the value in it. And when I was here, I kept messaging them or sent them a few messages saying, Hey, do you want to, start some classes here for us in Austin. And, you know, they're really, they're located, they're focused on the Bay area. So we just didn't have a whole lot here. I mean, we've got sound girls, which is awesome um, and very active. Um, But as far as somebody offering classes, we didn't have it as far as I knew. So this fall I took a new job that 
allows me to have a lot more free time than my previous jobs and decided to use that free time setting it up. And it's been, it's been really, really incredible. Um, it was a community that had already formed without me having to do anything. And I just got lucky enough to kind of be the beacon that as soon as I, you know, kind of turned the light on, everybody just gathered around and wanted to be involved. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun. That's really cool. So with the Omnisound project, the focus of it is primarily to, uh, like, what is y'all's, um, I guess, mission? Like, what's the goal? Is it to just teach women audio or is it to teach musicians or, or what's, what's the, what do you, what's y'all's mission statement, I guess yeah. is a good way to put it. Well, of course, as I'm sure we'll get into, that has changed quite a bit in the last two weeks with uh, <laughs> us all being at home. But when we started out in January and started our classes in February, the mission was definitely, the mission is to be the point of entry for underrepresented people in music and audio. So that's the stated mission. That's what we we're we want, we're not going to be the people offering the comprehensive training, but we want to be the place that people can feel comfortable getting started, getting an introduction, and then referring them to places where they can get training and just increasing visibility. Um, but how we were doing that up until early March was through very small, intimate, in-person classes. Um, and now that things have changed to where intimate in-person anything isn't happening for the time being, we've uh, gone ahead and shifted to offering um, classes online. And so now because we can't, you know, it's, it's not just 12 people and it's not as easy to keep it limited to, to people who identify as female. Um, we've opened it up to all genders and we're really just kind of taking the name Omni to heart, which Omni means all everywhere, you know, it means every direction, right? So it's not just, not just women. So I'm hoping to kind of extend that, that goal of representation to, to all underrepresented uh, folks in both music and audio. People say underrepresented, and I just want to be clear, what do you mean by underrepresented? Everybody seems to have a different definition. So that's a good question. What do you mean by that? Um, well, first, I guess I mean two things, two things pop into my mind. One is that it, not highly visible. So mm-hmm. people who are in the industry, but not being represented. So I spent about two hours last night looking for stock image of a woman of color operating a computer. Literally, it took me two hours wow. to find a woman sitting at a computer with her hand on the mouse, I wanted it to look like she was, you know, operating a DAW. And I mean, forget trying to get any woman sitting in front of a console in stock photos. And so, I mean, that's the first part of underrepresented is that those of us who are here aren't being uh, included. And then the second part of it is that there just are not as many um, women or uh, other genders or other races other than just a very strong white male presence in the uh, audio industry, but also music. I mean, the, the, a lot of the, the kind of um, key holders in the music industry are also white men. And um, I think that was heavily illustrated this winter when the Austin Chronicle came out with their music award nominees and I don't know if you saw the graphic that I made, but only three, 33% of the nominee list had even one woman in the band. Not, really? We're not even talking female-fronted. We're just talking one female member. When you dropped it down to female-fronted, you got down to about 15%. And that's uh, a group of people in Austin who are making those decisions. And that the, the people are... We're, we're, we're here. <laughs> we're making art. We're making, you know, we're doing it. We're in the industry. But you have people like that who are still controlling the level of exposure. And they're not, they're not doing a good job. And so mm-hmm. that's what I mean by underrepresented. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't the people for the Austin Chronicle, aren't they voted on by people in Austin? Isn't that how that works? In, in, uh, either last year or the year before, uh, they switched to a nominating committee and they oh. chose um, the people in charge of the 
awards chose handpicked two or three hundred um not uh people to be on a nominating board kind of like the grammys or the oscars or something like that um i have made multiple attempts to talk to them about um their selection process they have not answered me i do have a friend who uh kind of started a discussion online with one of the people that's in charge and he did not have uh, satisfying answers as to how the nominating committee was chosen or the um, diversity on that committee. So, wow. They have, I didn't know they changed that. Mm -hmm. I didn't know they changed it. Last time I, I guess I've been wrapped up in my own world (laughs) for a little while that I just hadn't realized that there was a switchover because I'm so used to that process being, you go and you vote and it's like a community-based award system, which is, I thought, the whole point of it. Mm -hmm. I think that's what made it special when I was like, oh man, these people were voted on by people in Austin. That's what made it like unique. Well, I mean, and maybe some of your listeners can shed light on that. Um, And if so, please reach out. I mean, I know, I know what it's like to be in a position to be like criticized for decisions you make without someone helping you make a change. So I'm, I'm willing, I mean, we're, I'm willing to help these guys figure out how to make it more inclusive. So if, if anyone's listening that that uh, can connect me with them, please let me know. For sure, for sure. Um, do you think that this whole um, idea of underrepresented people, the way that you described it, because I mean, obvi- obviously in a lot of ways, um, audio and uh, the music industry is very much so held by a key number of people. And those ten- people tend to be white males of America. Um, do you think that's maybe conducive to just being here? Or do you think that's like a worldwide thing? Gosh, that's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll learn though. I mean, one thing I didn't anticipate is uh, kind of becoming a a spokesperson for feminism in general with this project, you know? And so I'm definitely learning a lot about, uh, about what it's like, what the the female identifying experience is all over the place. So, um, yeah, I, well, I didn't expect for my podcast to be international. So I would agree with that. <laughs> like cool. you just kind of wake up one day and you're like, oh, there's people in other places. I, like, was I, better, expecting- do some, I better do some Googling. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I didn't even know where one place was. I had a, um, a listener. I had, there was like, I think five listeners from an island in between Italy and Greece. Wow. That's like in the Mediterranean. I was like, what is this place? <laughs> like oh, I had so never heard of it. I wonder yeah. like, what's what's up there. Do they have like, you know, there's there's just like a little group of female friends who are recording <laughs> and told each other about the podcast. I don't know, but I was so baffled by it. I, I so I get the whole you wake up one day and you're like, oh, now all of a sudden I'm a person in the world that's bigger than what I imagined. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how has it been, though, trying to step into that role for you of now somehow being a spokesperson for feminists with this? I mean, it's good. It's it's challenging me and I'm having to learn and I'm I'm, I'm a little bit I'm what you'd call middle aged. So I'm definitely <laughs> being uh, stretched in terms of even the definition of gender. And it's like, you know, there's a lot of, of younger folks who don't even acknowledge gender as heavily as other as other generations do and that's one thing that i kind of saw these these organizations um having to stretch their names the name with their name included women or female they're having to really uh, kind of stretch the the definition of that and i think that if they could go back and rename themselves they might remove that gendered uh that gendered aspect of their title and that's one of the reasons that i kind of went with Omni. It's like looking down the road when, when to, to a future I can't even envision yet, then I'd, I'd like to be able to identify and assist populations that aren't, are definitely not being, getting a a fair shake yet. So um, it's great. I mean, I love it. It's a learning experience. I'm not, I think what I, I think what I'm least comfortable with is just articulating, um, you know, articulating myself and, and concepts that I'm still wrapping my head around. Um, but 
it, I don't have a problem with with uh, apologizing if I just if I get something <laughs> wrong. So hadn't been too hard yet. Well, that's good. Um, would you have considered yourself a feminist before now? Oh, of course. Like, yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm like of the riot girl generation, right? So it's like there was no question of feminism, like there is among some people today. That not at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's absolutely. cool. Well, that's good that you kind of already had a foundation for it. I know some people step into a world and they're like, this is a title I was not prepared for. Um, I was prepared for the title. I wasn't prepared for the like level of education I was going to have to provide other people. Like I didn't realize there was going to be such heavy resistance. I've had a couple conversations with people that are just very um, confused about why this is necessary or even to the point where they think it's reverse discrimination. Um, those were conversations I wasn't prepared to have. <laughs> mm. Why would it be considered reverse discrimination? Because you're focusing on underrepresented people versus represented people. Yeah. Is right. that, was that their, their argument? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, but correct me if I'm wrong. Do you, turn people away though if they're interested in one of the classes or anything like that well we're we're doing something new with the online classes but yeah in person in our in-person classes were for people who identify as female or gender neutral um we uh with online we're opening it up to all genders so it'll be different we're doing we're doing large one-time classes that can hold up to 100 people but then we're still doing the small four week classes that are for eight people at a time, those we're going to keep as, uh, you know, for, for female identifying, um, folks. So that definition, that, that term female identifying is really broad to me. And I'm totally open uh, to discuss what that means to participants who want to be in the class. Um, so I don't, it's not a real hard, I wouldn't say like I exclude people based on that definition, but yeah, I think we we're trying to kind of recognize that a lot of the opportunities out there are more welcoming spaces for um, the population that is already heavily represented, and they can they can uh, they can just chill and let us <laughs> have a class without them. <laughs> um, what is your since you said it's such a broad top um, definition? What is your definition that you're working with then as female identifying? People. Man, I am totally letting other people make that definition, you know? <laughs> I'm not in charge of that. Uh, that. Yeah? Yeah, no way. I mean, people can come to me and tell me what they are, and I'll tell them if there's, you know, I, I think it's if there's room for anybody in our classes. I just, I think it's, it. we haven't had a lot of, like, white dudes want to be in the class yet, and we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Um, I think a lot of them have been super supportive. And if anything, everybody I've talked to uh, that's in the industry has been like, oh, my God, what can I do to help? What can I do? Like, how can I? They want to teach the classes, you know, which is cool. But we're really trying to focus on female teachers as well. So, yeah, I mean, in terms of what I mean by female identifying folks on the website, it definitely says, you know, gender neutral, cis, trans, um, a few different uh, terms that I'm aware of. But if there's a classification I'm not aware of and you want to be in the class, then you just let me know. (laughs) And that's the nice thing about the small classes is that it really is just like a conversation and getting people, you know, involved um, with with the online classes. We'll just see. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, I, I haven't had that problem yet. Uh, I don't know if I'm lucky yet or that just gives me more time to research. But <laughs> like more more so for me, at least it's been like, who, who, do, who classifies as a sound engineer? <laughs> like what's oh, yeah. the definition of, of, of sound engineer that you're that I'm willing to accept as terms of like interviewing? It has not been who do you consider like female orientation, gender yeah. and all that sort of stuff, um, which I am. I'll be the first person to admit I am not very knowledgeable on. It's been a more recent introduction into my life. I think mostly because it's become more mainstream more recently. I don't even know if it's really considered mainstream now. Um, But I've just had more experiences, especially being here in Austin. So many people are so different. And so when I got to do sound for the, the drag ladies, 
man, that was an interesting experience because of that. It was like, oh, let me give you definitions. Let me help mm. you out. And it was a very um, fun experience being with them. Yeah. Kind of bummed I don't get to work with them anymore. But. Oh, yeah, that sounds so fun. Well, where was that? I was at the Sahara Lounge. Oh, oh uh, it was, cool. uh, They did uh, their show is called Sad Girls Only. And so instead <laughs> of it being like the, the more upbeat dancing that you typically expect from the drag shows, it was all like super depressing songs and like... <laughs> Like they had like real velvet cake because like blood and death. I don't know. It was just like this whole experience. And uh, it was so much fun. Oh, it was so much fun. And like their shows were different because of it. So in a lot of ways, it was more uh, creative, I think is what I want to use. It felt more creative because they could put more art and detail into it because it was like it's a song but it's also I'm telling you a story and we're going to have all these props and like there's another person I don't know it was just it was really cool and assuming (laughs) that we all get to leave our homes again one day is it something that they repeat or was it just like a one time thing? oh yeah no it's it's a once a month thing uh it's every second Mm. third Mm. It's one of those weekends. It's either the second, it's either the second or third Monday in a month. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know. If you Google Sahara Lounge Austin, uh, you can find it. Or if you Google uh, Sad Girls Only, it'll pop up. Um, they're, I guess, I don't know, troop leaders. I don't know if that's what they call them in, in drag, actually. <laughs> uh, but that was like troop leader. And I was like, uh, I think that's more burlesque terminology. Um, but or Girl Scouts. <laughs> or, or Girl Scouts. Um, but whatever they're called, they're like lead, their hostesses uh-huh. is uh, Ruby Knight and um, Louisiana Purchase. Okay. Those are the, the two people's names. Louisiana Purchase so. does the one down at uh, St. Elmo too, I think. But that's that's right up my alley. I like I like uh, I love drag. I love the Sahara Lounge, and I love sad stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, their performances are really cool, and they have like a variety of people who come through. I think one of my favorite performers for their troupe was um, Rosalind Hustle. I think that's that was their name was Rosalind Hustle. Um, super cool creative stuff like had like a projector on their dress that like did a whole thing it was so wow. cool it was oh, it was very crafty and i really i really well, enjoyed hopefully they're all them. using their time at home whipping up some new amazing costumes for the next show right <laughs> right that'd be so cool um so yeah i don't know if you ever get a chance to run through there you I definitely should <laughs> i'm gonna google it right when we stop talking <laughs> Yeah, I've really enjoyed my time with them. I am bummed that my time is up just because I don't really work at the Sahara Lounge anymore. Moved on to different things, like doing a podcast for some ungodly known reason. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know why you're doing it. You're really oh, good yeah? at it. Uh, is that what it is? I don't I know. I mean, I'm a <laughs> podcast junkie and I'm kind of picky about what I listen to. And of course, at this as of us recording right now, you've, you've only got two out, but I've, I just love both of them. So I can't wait for more. Well, thank you. And that, that's not me trying to fish for compliments, just to be clear. <laughs> it's just genuinely like an insecurity of mine that I'm I like, know. ah, <laughs> maybe not insecurity. It's like, it's like a new facet of myself. That's like being discovered. I think it's different when you've thought about an idea for a really long time and you're like, Oh, this idea, this idea. And then you do the idea and you're like, ah, what was I thinking? <laughs> and I think that's what um, makes this such a strange place for me because I'm not used to that yet. Like I haven't settled into the fact that I was like, this was my idea. Right. And I'm doing it. <laughs> yeah. Super uncomfortable. So, I have the teachers to deflect to when people give me compliments about what I'm doing. It's like, Oh, you know, I can kind of like, I find myself kind of pushing it off to, oh yeah, the teacher, this teacher is so amazing. And, you know, it's really hard to, it's really hard to accept a compliment. But when I was playing music a lot more live, um, I noticed that, you know, people would come up to me after a show and give me a compliment and I would just negate it. You know, it's like, oh no, we messed this up or I didn't sound good on this. And it's like, all of a sudden I just would see their little faces kind of fall and it's like oh, mm-hmm. I just told them that their opinion wasn't 
correct. You know, that's, that's, you know, that's really rude. (laughs) So we took it that way. That's so sad. Yeah. So maybe, (laughs) maybe like, you know, when you look at the way people compliment you, it's like you, you, they're, they're not just saying it. They're, they're excited to tell you something, you know? So maybe looking at your reaction is kind of a gift, a gift to them, you know, but it's hard. It is hard. Yeah. I never thought about that. That's so sad. I, I never want people's feelings or opinions to feel like I don't want people to feel like they're invalid or anything like that. But I never thought of like the the inability to accept a compliment as like throwing somebody's compliment back in their face. Like yeah. that's yeah, you're uh, wrong. You're totally wrong. Your opinion about me is wrong. Yeah, but I mean, it's natural. It's just super uncomfortable to to hear yeah. nice things about yourself, which that's <laughs> messed up. I don't know why, but it is. I don't know. I don't. I wonder, I wonder if everybody if has that problem. Every, I do. I was like, I wonder if like, like the super confident people that you see in the world are like having that problem or if they're just like, yeah, I know I'm awesome. Thanks. And then they just walk away, you, you know, yeah. or like, like what? Okay. So then that leads to the question of what draws the line between the difference between being able to accept a compliment and, and in that being able to know what your self-worth is versus overconfidence or being, um, uh, boastful about yourself. Right. Cause I was thinking, I was like, I don't feel like I compliment those people very often. <laughs> and so maybe, maybe they don't get as many compliments as we think. <laughs> I don't know. I definitely think it ties into self-worth and a message of being told that, you know, you, you, you should be humble or you should be modest. And, and there's something to that. I mean, there's humility and modesty are nice too, but, but not when you're, you know, when we just say, which you did not do by the way, but like when, when, if someone comes up to me and gives me compliment, Oh no, 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 no. It's like, well, you're, mm. you're literally just telling them what they just said was wrong. So just, yeah, but you didn't do that. Well, thank you. <laughs> how how do you how did you try to change your mindset on accepting compliments? Then, like, what what ways did you approach that? No, it was literally in just one moment of seeing a friend of mine after a gig, like her her face just drop when I negated her compliment, you know. And I was like, oh my yeah. gosh, I just told that person they were wrong. So I just I just decided I wasn't gonna do that again. <laughs> Yeah. So now you just go around saying, thank you. I say, thank you. <laughs> and that's what you do. Yeah. Say, thank you. Yep. Thank you so much. And then in my mind, I'm like, uh, I missed that chord and my voice, I was out of tune and, nah, nah, nah. but you know, but I don't need to say that to them. I just say, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so easy. And I wonder if it's like a lady thing or if that's just like, like the ability to like not accept compliments well. Like, is that like a women's thing or is that like a, like a specific group of people thing? Like, or is that just like a natural thing that people go through? I think it's, I mean, I think I know a lot of, I mean, I've, so this is probably like, I don't know, it was a few years ago this happened and I've definitely discussed it with like other musician friends um, Mm -hmm. that also include like male identifying folks and they, they're just as likely to deflect a compliment in my opinion, in my experience. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think it's, I don't, I, it may happen more with certain um, groups, but I think everybody, it's kind of a universal experience. We all, we all have it, I think. Yeah, that makes sense. I've always kind of felt like there was more connecting us as men and women than we like to give ourselves credit for. Oh, Not for everybody's sure. from Venus and Mars, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no doubt. <laughs> like, um, you were talking about your band, though, that you have. So you want to talk about that just a little bit? Like, what is this band of yours that you're in? Yeah. So um, I guess I, I started playing guitar, like, maybe in college, but I never I never really did anything with it, but I knew how to play. And then I had a friend move in with me back in, gosh, early 2000s on the east side of Austin, and we discovered that we both really liked playing guitar, but we weren't very good at it. Um, but we really liked singing sad country covers together late at night. And um, so we started this thing where 
I can't remember why we did it, but we just invited a bunch of women over to have like these jams. And it was like, all right, you don't have to know anything. We're going to teach you like a three chord song. You sit at the piano, you hold this random thing, you take this trumpet and we're going to teach you like three notes, three chords, and then we're just going to play this song. And it was awful. And, um, but really fun, you know, just like we were all young and having a great time. So we did that for about three or four weeks. And it was just, we had this one friend, we just kept telling her to come and kept telling her to come. And finally she showed up one week and she was the only person who showed up. And so it's just the three of us, my roommate, and then this other woman. And we started singing in three-part harmony. And we really couldn't play the guitar, but we could sing really well together. And we just almost like, it was just one of those moments where you're like, oh, man, we're going to do this for a long time, you know? <laughs> and that was, gosh, probably 15 years ago now. So they're they're in a band with me. Um, they're my two best friends. And um, we've just been through through thick and thin together. We don't perform a whole lot anymore, but we used to, um, the band's name is guy town. Guy town mm. was the, um, red light district of Austin back in the late 1800s and heavily dominated by women. Uh, so we, we decided to name our band in honor of those women. And, uh, yeah, we play out maybe once a month nowadays they've got kiddos and we're all busy with work and things like that, but we, we still love to sing together. In fact, we're trying to figure out right now how to, how to do it online. If you know of any, mm. any apps or anything we can use. <laughs> I don't know. A lot of people have been doing like the Google hangouts or whatever it's called. And yeah. like, there's like, doing a sound like that. Though. it's really hard to play music that way. Yeah. And then there was the the zoom they have like the a zoom. thing going on the zoom i know i put the in front of a lot of words unnecessarily and people were like because it's the only one and i'm like ah, i mean whatever <laughs> like like i talk about google and i'm like the google people are like um you mean google and i'm like ah same difference <laughs> um but <laughs> zoom i think is they i i heard somewhere that Zoom was doing like two months free if you signed up right now or something like that. Yeah, because of the whole coronavirus, out. they cut that out real quick. Because I went, did they there. really? Oh yeah, because I went on there like last week and they were doing it. And then today I signed up for an account for the our online classes and it's not it's they're not offering it anymore. anymore. They're like, okay. I mean, it's no. still really affordable and um, it's thank God we have it right now. That's for sure. Yeah, Although I'm getting a little bit of Zoom fatigue. <laughs> I'm having a lot of video calls lately. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I haven't had any of them. Uh, I talk on the phone to my mom and my aunt and that's it. <laughs> like I, it's, it's two people. <laughs> um, I, I think it's just because like I have friends, like I'm not like antisocial. Don't take it that way. But if I, I'm, I don't do well with talking on the phone to people. I'm really good at being in person with people. Oh, I and so on the phone. I, I, so I feel like I have like a disconnect when I'm, when I can't see people. And so, um, I struggle with being like, let me just call up so-and-so friend and talk to them because I'm like, the worst is when you text somebody and then they call you in response and you're like, if I wanted to call you, I would have called you. I know we're, my mom and I are both deep introverts. And um, as you know, I came up here uh, to be with my mom and stepdad during the, uh, the um, shelter in place so that I could t do their errands and stuff for them since they're older. Um, but, you know, my stepfather's an extrovert. So he's really, he's on the phone all day long chatting with everybody. And my mom and I are like, and we're just so annoyed because we're having to do all these phone calls and Google Hangouts. And she and I were like, you know what? It feels like extroverts have just taken over introversion. <laughs> like we're at home. <laughs> we're at home. I just want to be alone. <laughs> now I have to hang out with everybody. <laughs> oh my God. See, I, I am at home by myself, but I want all the people. Like, I'm like, I want the humans. Like, yeah. I'm like, where are you? Please come to me. Like right now, like my, like a really good friend of mine lives down the street. And I was like, is it rude if I want to go to her house instead right. and just be with her? So I'm, I'm not home by myself. 
get my apartment. Yeah, I'm finally missing it. It took me a couple weeks, but now I'm kind of like, <laughs> all right, I, re- I want to hang out with people. I want to be around my friends. And especially I'm really missing playing music. Like that's, yeah, that's big. Yeah, no, from day one, the day after South Bell got canceled, like that day, I was like, oh no, I'm not going to have anybody to hang out with. Like it just, that was like the, that, that was my, my second response to being told that South by was canceled. My first response was, oh my God, all my money. Uh, that was number one. And number two was, oh my God, all the people. And then I was like, I'm not going to have anybody to hang out with me. And then I was here and then I was like, well, I'll just plan like small get togethers. Cause at first they were like, it's fine if you have small right. groups of people right. at the house. And I was like, okay, well we could be at the house together. I clean, like I'm very, um, uh, anal about cleaning. Like it's like, a thing with me. And so I'm always disinfecting anyway. So I was like, my house is already clean. There's no Rona up in this house. <laughs> so I was just like, we can have a pie day party. So then I had my pie day party. And then like the next day they yeah. were like, no people. And I was like, ah, <laughs> and I was like, you ruined my plans. I know, man. So rough. now I'm just like, I pace my apartment, which isn't very large. It's not a super large apartment. I mean, it's, it's a great size for like one person, but as the extrovert, I'm like, this apartment feels con- like suffocating. So I like, I like want to go out. I would have a really hard time in an apartment right now. I'm glad, I'm glad I'm in a house, but, but I, ha- I, I think I went like four days <laughs> without going outside. So I adapted really fast. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was like, Oh God, I better like breathe some fresh air. This is not good. I have, I, you a know, I have a keyboard here, so I've been playing, yeah. playing a keyboard. And then a, a friend of mine loaned me a um, a really nice synthesizer the week before we got locked down. So now I've got that to play with. <laughs> so I could I can be entertained for a couple more weeks probably, but it's it's getting to me for sure. But you have your parents, so there's a little difference there because there's at least human contact in that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, here in my apartment, there's no human contact. It's just me. But I think that has more to do with, like, what are your uh, personality traits and your tendencies? Like, I okay. have very extroverted tendencies. Uh, I'm a very extroverted person, and sometimes, randomly, I'll have very introverted tendencies where I'm like, lies, don't look at me, don't talk to me, I don't want nothing from you. And it's like, for like, four hours of a day. And then I'm like, no, nah, I need the people again. And you're it's like, just it like, what? It's just your little recharge. <laughs> yeah. For four hours. It's almost always four hours, by the way, which is kind of a random number. I'm not really sure why it's four hours, but generally speaking, like I'll be like overload on people like randomly. And it's usually when something that I have to process, that's taking more mind power to like work through. Then I'm like, okay, I can't be extroverted right now because I need to process something. So then it's like, okay, cool. So then I'll go and I'll sit for myself for like three or four hours. And then I'm like, okay, I've worked through everything now. We're good. And then I'm like, people, which is why this has been throwing me off because that goes against my natural rhythm. So I get stuck in my head now, which is why I feel like I haven't gotten as much done as like, People who are like, now that you're at home by yourself, you can have all these things get done. And my mind is like, I feel like I'm trapped in a closet, must get out. And so yeah. I can't process anything. So I can't do anything that would be because I'm hard. struggling. Well, and I think too, like I was on the women's audio mission group chat yesterday and, and there's a lot of people who are, there's a lot of pressure to be productive, you know, and I think we need mm-hmm. to remember that this is really scary and we're going through, we're processing a lot of emotions and I don't think that we need to be worried about being creative or productive right now. I mean, a lot of us, myself included, uh, a lot of people in the industry are worrying about, you know, how they're going to pay bills next month. Um, And so that isn't necessarily when you're dealing with the survival, you know, level stuff, it's not necessarily the best time to, to write music or, or be, you know, start a business or whatever. I mean, more power to the people who can cope that way. But I mean, for me, the first week or so, I, I really had a hard time just focusing on anything. It was just kind of settling into a little more now, but, but just that kind of anxiety and fear isn't real conducive to creativity for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's not for me either, which I think is why I was constantly on my phone with my mom for like the first week was because I was like, what do I do? Like, I've never been unemployed. I don't know how to work through any of this. And now that I've 
I started the transition of being a business owner at the end of last year. And so I'm still in that transition period. So I'm still like, well, how do I deal with being a business owner? And now I don't have the work and the things and the stuff. And what do I do? And she was just like, okay, well, we got to take this one step at a time and let's figure these things out. And so she's been really great with like helping me figure like different things that I can apply for to try to like get money and stuff. But again, that's, it was, I mean, I'm still in a state of stress. Like I pace thinking about how can I make money sitting at the house. And then for like the first week, I think I spent more time applying for online jobs than anything. I was like, what can I apply for? What can I apply for? And then like people will call me and be like, well, we only need somebody like once a week. And I'm like, okay, once a week. Got it. And then it's like, actually, we can't hire you now because we can't have anything. Mm. And now we have to close our business or whatever. And so it's to me, that's the hardest part is the financial concern. So like right now it was like, I don't know. I just feel like I relate more to those people right now, like who are stressing about how to function in the world now yeah. than I am like, let me be productive. The people like, who are doing like uh, no. fucking spa days and stuff, I'm like, what the? <laughs> like, I, <don't... laughs> I do not know. Like it is not time for like yoga. I've got to figure out if I like if I can pay my rent, you know, like it's, it's right. bad. I mean, I, I'm fortunate that I work for people who are doing everything they can to keep all of us going and giving us work from home. But, you know, it's a dance studio. We're closed. I mean, we're, we mimic yeah. the whatever AISD is doing. So uh, they've yeah. taken all the classes online and they're keeping everybody busy with that. But uh, it's, it's, you know, my work, I went from 30, 40 hour work week for them to, I worked like 10 hours for them last week. And, and mm-hmm. just cause there's not, as much to do. And so I'm in the same boat. And that's why, you know, yesterday on the, on the wham chat, all the people were talking, saying the same thing. And some people were saying, well, I just feel bad, like asking for money right now. And it's like, man, you, you, we got to take care of each other. And if you ask for $5 to teach a class or $10, like the Omni classes are, I have no problem. Like, I don't know when, you know, I don't know what my financial future holds, but if I can scrape together five or $10, I'm going to do, I'm going to support you. And that's, you know, with these classes, I'm trying to create this kind of little closed loop economy where you guys are teaching classes in audio engineering. You're teaching some skills that maybe some other audio engineers don't have yet. And y'all are just doing this knowledge swap. The classes are 10 bucks And if you can get a hundred people in a class, well, that's a good amount of money for, for the teachers. And so, but while keeping it really, really inexpensive for the participants. Um, And, you know, we just got to remember, it's not going to last forever. And we're going to take, we're just going to take care of each other. We really are. I know we are. We got to stay healthy. And outside of that, we'll figure the rest out as we go. Yeah. I think that's, that's one of the reasons why um, I really appreciate it, what you are doing. And why I really wanted to like have you on, <clears throat> excuse me, is because you were talking about that. And I was like, that's such a great like feedback loop to, to invest in instead of it being like, oh, well, I don't know what to tell you or my favorite, just do it for free, um, which I mean, in some cases that's, that's nice. But in moments like these, you know, it's, it's nice to be able to have um, a feedback loop. Yeah. And if you're in the position to do it for free, that's great. Like I know FemHouse and Wham are both offering online free classes and it's like, that's fantastic. People, I mean, if you, if you feel inclined to use this time to learn new skills then you've got options, but for me, I didn't, I, it's, I, I could have just skipped a month of classes. I didn't, I don't need to be hosting any classes right now, but it was sitting, literally sitting at the Wham and Sound Girls meetup that we had on Women's Day when. South by had just been canceled. That was a Sunday and South by had been canceled on Friday and just sitting there with this entire community of people whose income has vanished overnight for who knows how long, which of course now that's extended to lots of industries. But at that, for us at that moment, it was, it was South by and it was like, all right, what are we going to do? You know? And that's, that's when I started just thinking like, what, you know, what can, how can we do this where we can try to get a few hundred bucks in people's pockets over the next couple months, you know, and anybody, that's why it's like anybody's invited to teach a class. I don't all, it doesn't cost me any money to get a class online. Let's do it. 
So, um, but you know, it's just a whole new world (laughs) for now. It is, it is, it's a, but it's an interesting place to be. I think there are a lot of people who are, um, financially secure that have been producing some really cool things, um, like the free classes or like, um, the other day I was on the Digico website and they did like a, a Facebook live thing where they were like teaching through their stuff and like the smart people with their, uh, audio tools, which are like expensive classes to take. Cause I, I like looked into them and I was like, Oh, that's a lot of money, <laughs> but they're always, but there's something that I would love to take. And so, um, but, but because of this, they're like, oh, well, we could put this out for free and that's okay. It's like, we can do these things for free and that's cool too. And, and so I do that. appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. They, that, that is your responsibility if you're in that position right now is to share and support people. Yeah. So I don't know. I think this whole process of way of living though, is going to be interesting, especially once it's over. Um, I'm kind of intrigued to see how we as society kind of how long it'll take for us to get back into like the groove of that, right? Like yeah. of rescheduling shows or doing new shows or planning new tours or whatever, you know, the world out there is doing. Um, I wonder, I, I, I just wonder how long it's going to take to get back to it. Yeah, I know. And then, the, then I wonder about like, well, the rephases of, of it going back to 10 people or less or 50 people or less, you know, the kind of the, in reverse of the way we, we entered into this. Um, and then that affects, you know, it's things like the studio I work for. We have a recital, we have five recitals in June that we don't know if we're going to be able to hold. Even if, even if the virus isn't as big of a threat, are we going to be allowed to gather in groups of three to 400 people yet? You know, is that going to be a smart, safe thing to do? So it's just the great unknown, which none of us really enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, we don't. I appreciate people having hope, no matter how much I may or may not agree with that. Like just in general, just having hope in general, I think is a positive thing. Um, so for that, I will salute anybody who has hope throughout all this process because I think it's really easy to get um, depressed and um, overwhelmed with the situation. I think I've been criticized by a couple friends for like not. It's like especially early on, I was just trying really hard to stay like positive and like okay it's gonna be okay and and people being like you're not looking at like look at Italy look at New York look at what's happening and it's like I just keep thinking about do you remember when you were little did you ever read like Anne Frank's diary we did read Anne Frank's diary and you know she didn't that didn't become what it became because she was I mean she was positive and she she happened to be wrong. Things weren't okay. <laughs> but the reason okay. we like that book is because despite all compelling evidence to the contrary, she stayed beautiful and hopeful and strong most of the time. So yeah. and she also let herself freak out and break down. And I think that that's good inspiration for right now. It's like, it doesn't hurt. There's, it doesn't do any harm. We're not, we're not the CDC. If we were the CDC and we we're giving people false hope, then shame on us. But we're not, we're just ordinary people and we can keep uplifting each other. And, and even if, yeah. we're, even if we're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's kind of like, um, I saw on the internet that people were starting to do, um, therapy sessions mm-hmm. online for mm-hmm. people who were struggling with depression and anxiety with all of this. And I don't think there's anything. And somebody, people on the internet are always kind of trolls, but one of the common themes that I kept reading in the comments on the particular post was that they shouldn't do stuff like that because it's giving people misguided hope. And I was like, I don't think there's anything wrong with taking care of your mental health um, and taking care of yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, like throughout this whole process. Cause you should be doing those things, whether we're in a coronavirus situation or not, like you should be taking care of yourself mentally, spiritually and all that sort of stuff. So why would it be wrong for them to offer therapy sessions to people who, who need that? You know, I don't know. I, I think it's just people not understanding what it's like to live with, with those things. You know, I have pretty strong ang- anxious tendencies and, and, 
you know, that first week, I mean, I was, my body was just shivering. I mean, really, I was, I was having a really, really hard physical reaction, you know, and it's like, if, if maybe having a little false hope is going to stop the physical response and keep me a little healthier overall, then, then I'm all for it, you know? So I think sometimes when people criticize that stuff, it's hard for them to relate to that level of anxiety or fear, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that's why, why they think it's unnecessary, but I'm grateful for everybody who's putting those messages out. That's for sure. Yeah. Were you anxious or fearful when you decided to start the Omni project? Uh-huh. <laughs> I've been anxious <laughs> and fearful since I was born. <laughs> um, okay. So then how did you cope with that to continue forward with this, um, with starting this organization? It is an organization, right? Yeah. Membership yeah. organization. Okay. I just want to make sure I yeah. want to apply the right word. Um, so then how did you deal with that anxiety with starting something new like this then? Um, I'm a, I've kind of always been a, an entrepreneur and started a lot of businesses over the years. And one of the things I did about 10, 15 years ago was I owned a wine bar and I learned and it was, it was good. It was successful. It's still there. It's out in Wimberley. Um, but it, we started with a pretty large overhead and I always decided if I did another business or I always, I had determined at that time, if I ever started another business, I was going to start really small and just let it grow organically. So with Omni, it just, I just kind of came up with a, a business model that was going to be sustainable and would need a lot of overhead and, and just gave it, gave it a shot. So it hasn't been, it hasn't been real stressful. I think when you, when you, when you do things like business plans and you have business loans and partners and, you know, a lot of obligations and a lot of people to pay, that's, that's, that does not do well. That'll induce anxiety for sure. But this just, I had no attachment to the outcome and I just wanted Honestly, really and truly, I want to take the classes that I'm hosting. <laughs> and so it's like, you know, if I do this for a while and I get to learn all these cool things, then that's that's totally worth it. So it, I definitely wasn't prepared for it growing like it has. Um, but that's all right. It's it's uh, it's I think just keeping my focus on having a good time and not letting the overhead get too too high um, keeps the anxiety down for sure. So as um, starting a new business and, and going down that path, um, do you have any, like, I don't know, helpful resources for people who would like to start a business in the future doing whatever in some capacity? I mean, I know that there's <clears throat> a lot of different um, resources out there for how to start businesses and that sort of stuff. But did, which ones did you have that were helpful to you? Um, well, I think the biggest thing for me is just making sure, you know, your tax laws and things that'll, that'll kind of get you in trouble if you don't pay attention to, right? So a couple of years ago, I'd formed a, a, I don't even know what they're called, but sole proprietorship or something like that, where I was given a, an income tax number. And I have a couple businesses that I operate under that umbrella. So I just, I'm real careful with making sure that I'm collecting and paying sales tax and, and things like that. And, and, you know, any, if I make any income that that's reflected properly. Um, but I didn't, I mean, I just haven't, I'm really, really like not a, not good at like red tape and bureaucracy um, and very impatient. So I haven't really done a lot of the things that people might do if they were starting a, a like a brick and mortar business. But I think right now with being online and or doing things like classes, you don't necessarily have to do that. So I'm not the best person to ask for it. I, I kind of just tell people to start, just do it, go for it and figure it out as you go. But but that's that's a, a luxury that like a very small business can can engage in. If you're if you're doing something like obviously when we opened the wine bar, it was like a year of paperwork and permits and licenses and everything else. Yeah. And so uh I didn't really have much to do with that either. Actually, I made my mom, <laughs> my mom and stepdad were the people who, who were my business partners in that regard. So, I'm actually a terrible person to ask. I mean, that's one of the one of the reasons I I'm, we're not a nonprofit is I just can't stand all the paperwork and everything you have to do to become a nonprofit. You know, it's like yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
just yeah I, I thought about that once and then I was like no <laughs> no no I think I read one book on how to start a nonprofit, <laughs> and, and it, it went through like all the and I was like I can't I don't even uh I can barely do my own taxes yeah. uh, I learned that like last year <laughs> like, well there's so much other fight no that like clue. other people have like you lose a lot of control and I mean and also yeah. there's also a component of like why would a female-owned business catering to females need to be a nonprofit? you know like why mm-hmm. is that not a something that's deemed as valuable in the marketplace or in the mm-hmm. community so there's there's a little bit of that too um but anyway, I just went off on a long tangent. <laughs> okay. Are you concerned that there'll be pushback because of that? I know some people feel like whenever they get involved with certain businesses that they expect to be in their minds, nonprofits or that are like servicing other people, then they tend to have like pushback against them. Cause they're like, well, why would you want to be a for-profit thing or whatever? Are you concerned that you would have pushback for that um, mm-hmm. in the future? No. Um, I, I was at first, um, a little intimidated about it, but I just have made it real clear. It's all over the website and it's just, you know, people can talk to me about it. I, I think it's, you know, I explained it how I just did. And I think that's Mm -hmm. good, a good enough explanation for most people. Um, I would not, you know, if I were trying to accept donations or things like that, then obviously that would be misleading, but that's just not Mm -hmm. what we're, we're doing. And um, I think, too, I'm real transparent about where the money's going. My, our money's really going to the teachers. And so most people are delighted to have that be the case and have them be profitable. So that's good. That's good. Because, I, I mean, you never want to end up like being like the NFL, you know, <laughs> like how or well, like what in, in what well, the because, many ways do you mean that? <laughs> <laughs> because NFL is a nonprofit. Right. And then people don't know that the NFL is oh a nonprofit. God which is weird to me. First off, it's weird that they're a nonprofit. That in and out of itself is just like, are you kidding me? How are they a nonprofit? But they are. And then the number of people who know that they're a nonprofit is very small. Like people don't know that the NFL is a nonprofit. I remember telling somebody, oh yeah, that's, I remember saying it like off the cuff because I just accepted it as like a truth that I knew. And they were like, wait, what do you mean the NFL is a nonprofit? And I was like, they're, that's what they are. And they're like, no, they're not. And you watched, I watched their little eyes <laughs> and their mind turn as they tried to rectify the idea of the NFL being a nonprofit. It was a very interesting process. Wow. Um, yeah, but I had no people, idea. Really? Mm-mm. No, I mean, I can't <laughs> say I follow the NFL real closely, but, but yeah, yeah. no idea. But I think that's, yeah. that's kind of my point. Yeah. Like you well, that's your point is is just yeah. staying staying transparent and, and honest with folks yeah and i think that's why people were so taken aback is because they were like i didn't know that where where has it ever said that nobody's ever said that and it's like yeah that's a that's definitely a thing i think that's why people get upset sometimes with nonprofits is because of uh, the lack of transparency and communication between you know the public and and their business yeah and how they're running it so that's really cool that you foresaw that (laughs) laziness foresaw that (laughs) hey laziness or not it's it's part of it right like we all end up in certain places due to certain things and it's like well the only reason why I went down this path was because of this or that or whatever and it's always like these random stories where you're just like that's such a strange way of thinking but okay that's cool like like and then you get it you know what I mean I don't know if that makes sense or not yeah. I feel like a lot of people end up like that. Oh, and it kind of ties back to what you were saying earlier about like what society, like what big changes in society we're going to see because of the experience we're all having now. And and I think that that's one of them. I think people are going to be really resentful of, of the people who profit off this experience. Um, and there will be plenty. And I hope that we all use our little stimulus checks as best we can to, to support, you know, our fellow artists and, yeah. and uh, the other people in our community uh, rather than, you know, big corporations. But Did I that know, officially go through? Yeah. but I think I missed that one. Okay. But, I mean, we also, a lot of us are just going to have to use that to pay rent. So <laughs> yeah. That's also true. Um, it's kind of like after South by how people were talking about, hey, go out and support your businesses and support that mm-hmm. and this and that. And it was like, yeah, that's great, but uh you see 
like that money though, <laughs> I got to pay the rent. Oh yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, cause that was like a huge thing. People were like, Oh, go out and support your local communities. And it's like, but I need the money. I don't know. I, I don't know if other people felt this way and maybe I overanalyzed this one a little too much, but I was first off kind of disheartened by like the idea that, um, people, I was disheartened by the idea of spending my own money and then like not having money to pay rent. So like wanting to conserve that, I felt bad about wanting to put my money in the bank and hold on to it because I knew that in the future, which wasn't that far away, it was two weeks, uh, that I was going to be in a financial binding. And I felt bad about not supporting local communities as a result. And I don't know if other people felt that way or not, or if it was just like one of those things that's kind of unique to me being like overly sensitive and sometimes, but that was something that I kind of felt bad about because I really wanted to support people. But I was like, how can I support you if I can't even support myself? I think that's... And that was like the logic. Yeah, no, I think that's very relatable in our communities. I think in music and audio and, uh, you know, Austin being such a live sound, like most of the sound engineers you and I know are live music folks. So they lost all their gigs overnight as well. And so I think that's a super common sentiment. It's just like, I just, I want to help you guys all that so badly, but I'm in the same boat, you know? And, and so, you know, I think you just shift to, to offering things of, of value to people that instead of, you know, saying, can you, can you watch my like live stream concert and do my virtual tip jar. It's like, I kind of can't right now, you know, but like I have a friend who did a drone cello drone meditation where she looped her cello and then she kind of did this little spoken meditation. It's like, Oh, like that to me, that's something you could, you could ask for a little tip for because that was really valuable. And so I think Mm -hmm. in like what the classes we're trying to offer, we're trying to offer subjects that'll make you more money, you know, as the participant things that are going to increase your skill set. So I think we just kind of have to rewrite, like, first of all, we need to recognize like how many people are in our situation. I get a little sometimes with like some of my friends in the service industry, they're like, you know, posting all these like GoFundMes for their restaurant staff. And it's like, yeah, man, but like, we're, seriously it's not just limited to hospitality it's a lot of industries that are in the same boat so i think just just how those same restaurants made that switch quick where they're like all right we're a fine dining but now we're delivering your eggs and and um you know foreign and domestic is selling yeast (laughs) like foreign and really they're like one of the restaurants in town and they've changed to offering a service that people need you know and so just selling yeast. <laughs> we need that yeast. <laughs> we need to bake some bread. I, I've been baking. Oh my gosh. I need the yeast. But um, oh you know, just I think I think it is. It's like we all feel bad. We can't support each other, but at the same time, we could support each other if we were being offered things that we need. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I guess like. What do you have on the horizon right now with uh, the Omni Sound Project? Well, our online classes start next week. Um, So, of course, by the time this comes out, you know, those will have happened. But I have a feeling that we'll keep the online classes in the portfolio. I mean, my let's say that we're all gathering again by June. Then I would like to have a couple live classes a month and then have a couple online classes a month uh, still and still have it be open to all genders. Um, So in the immediate future, we've got some really great things. Um, We've got classes on Pro Tools and classes on EQing vocals and classes on um, how to get started with using synthesizers and just all kinds of things. And then on the music side, we have a class on learning how to book tours and because this is a really good time for touring musicians to be setting up tours for late summer and fall, hopefully. And um, we also have, we because we are a membership organization, people are invited to kind of support the organization by doing, uh, becoming a member for $25 a year. And they get like crazy perks, like all of these organizations in Austin give discounts. Amy and Ashley at CrossPick give free consultations to Omni members. I mean, there's just a lot of 
uh, add-ons that you get as a member, but you also get like to have access to these exclusive events. Like on Monday, we're interviewing Larry Crane from Tape Op, who uh, mm-hmm. he's he's pretty well known in the field, and he's just volunteering his time to chat with a handful of women on the on the Omni, you know, online, so that they can uh, ask him questions and give their feedback about the magazine, and so. It's uh, there's just a lot of stuff happening coming up. And I think I'd, I'd like to keep that keep that pace when things return to normal. That's cool. And where can uh, the humans find you? The humans can find me <laughs> on uh, <laughs> omnisoundproject.com. Uh, of course, we have Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, all of our tickets are sold through Eventbrite. So if you go to the omnisoundproject.com website and click on events, you can buy your tickets there. But you can also get them directly on social media as well. But I don't know, do you have any anything that you want to share? Any last thoughts or anything? No, I mean, I really think we covered it. I'm happy to have the opportunity to tell people about the project and, you know, just totally it's brand new and it's a it's a membership thing, so we we just any involvement that people want to have regardless of gender. I mean, we'll just t- we'll take whatever help and support and and uh, advice and teach you know if you want to teach reach out to me it's just it's evolving it's it's evolving quickly (laughs) so um yeah just just want everybody to be well hopefully by the time this podcast comes out we'll have a clearer picture of what's of what's coming our way but just everybody stay healthy yeah all right cool well thank you for being here today i really appreciate it um and i guess we'll talk later